The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 181 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for checking in with us again this week. We've got such a great conversation coming up for you. But first of all, we do want to thank a new reviewer. The Apple Podcast listener name is Lotto Lisa, and she says she really enjoys the podcast. She loves that it's so conversational and has enjoyed hearing the stories of so many good people. Keep them coming. Well, Lotto Lisa, thank you so much for the kind words and the five-star review. We will keep them coming, uh, and especially with this week's guest. Ron Burt is one of the founders of Burt Brothers Tires, and I'm telling you, if you live in Utah, this is an institution. Uh, they have 13 locations all over the place. Uh, he's just an amazing guy. I really appreciate uh, Gene, our producer. He and Gene are good friends, and I appreciate Gene setting this up. We had a, just a fantastic conversation. And coming up this week in my Latter-day life, old friends are still friends. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today, here on the Latter-day Lives podcast, it is my honor to be with Someone who you definitely know his name, at least his last name for sure. If you live anywhere in the Wasatch Front, you have seen Burt Brothers Tires and Automotive. Ron Burt, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sean, for inviting me to be a part of it tonight. Well, it's a, it's a real blessing for me. We have a lot to talk about, uh, and not not the least of which, you are a business icon in the Wasatch Front, for sure. I mean, everybody knows the Burt Brothers name, but we will get to that in a minute. First of all, let's hear a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up. I was born and raised here in Salt Lake City. Um, my parents are both um, from from Canada, moved down here and, and uh, moved around a little as young marrieds, but I was born and raised in South Salt Lake and... Um, Grew up there, um, went to high school at Cottonwood High School. What Were you uh, raised in the church? Yes, absolutely. My uh, parents, uh, my father was born into the church. My mother was a convert. Oh, fantastic. Now, I normally, here's where I would ask about siblings. I know you have brothers. <laughs> that we know from, from yeah. the name of the company, but tell us a little bit about your family. Well, um, so I am the third of four children. Um each of us were born in different uh, states and around, and uh, my parents settled here. My uh, older brother and I, um, after my first mission to the Canada Calgary mission, um, came back, went to college, and he was working for Goodyear Tire and Rubber when mm. I was on my mission. And uh, I'll tell you, Sean, the thing that was so exciting back in the day, we had a bishop in our ward when we were growing up. And I know it's going to come up. So I'll just tell you, how did you, why did you want to be in the tire business? I mean, we're not mechanics, <laughs> um, but we had a bishop and we loved his lifestyle. He was a good man. He was honest. And as we did a little further checking um, into the tire and automotive service, we found that it wasn't the most honorable profession to be mm. in. And it was like you were looked down upon, like, I don't want to take another automotive segment. And, but we were not looked upon as, as someone that was very honest. And my brother and I, um, even seeing our bishop, seeing what a good man he was, and we liked the fact that he was in with his family and he had time with his family. And so leaving that in the back of our heads, I go on a mission. My brother had returned from his mission and uh, went to work for Goodyear. I'm out on my mission. I come back and go to college and he's working for another independent. And, you know, back in the day, like a lot of people think tires are just round and black. <laughs> That's about what I thought about tires and didn't really know anything. So I was working my way um, in some construction work, painting, 
um, getting myself through college. And uh, he came to me and said, hey, I need you to come with us and work in this other with this other company. And, you know, I was a little bit scared to make that jump, but I was pretty, pretty young, making really good money as a painting contractor because I'd done that kind of a job. We had another guy in our ward that had and I was just his man from 12 years old on Mm. until I went on my mission. That was the job I had making pretty good money and come back from the mission. And um, where where did you serve your mission? The Canada Calgary mission. Oh, Calgary. Okay. The province of Alberta. Yeah, it was a great experience. Calgary, uh, Calgary is kind of known as uh, Utah North a little bit. A lot of members of the church, right? That stems from the south down in uh, the southern part of Alberta there, Lethbridge on up to even Edmonton. It's really got a lot of great members of the church, most of which somehow were tied into southern Alberta and then moved north. So so going back, you know, you've got uh, your your folks from Canada. Uh Uh-huh. Then you go up and serve a mission in Canada. Canada will come back around to prominence. I can't get myself out of Canada. So my first area, when I got my mission call, all I ever knew was Cardston and to Calgary. Okay, I didn't know that they were really in the same mission. But my grandmother, my father was born and raised right in Cardston. And my first area was like 30 miles away from my grandma. Mm, wow. It was quite the experience. That's amazing. When you were younger and growing up, I mean, because obviously there's some entrepreneurial spirit here, and I hear a lot about hard work. Mm-hmm. Was that a was that a family ethic when you were younger? You know, I have everything to do with thanking my father for teaching me how to work. All of us kids, four of us, my older sister, then my brother, me, then my younger sister, he had us making um People on this show might not even know what these are, potholders. Oh, we yeah. actually had the loom and everything, and he took us, and he would buy all the stuff. We would make them, and then we would go door to door and sell those. No then, kidding. Then, then he was in his business. He was in the insulation business, which took him a lot of times to the state fairs, and he came across these knives that we could buy and resell. So my dad was always, always, always teaching us how to work and working right alongside with us. He didn't, it wasn't punishment. It was, I I thank him for every ounce of work ethic that I have in my life is because it, it wasn't fun sometimes at the time, but I knew later on in my life, it would prove to be something that would bless my life. And Mm -hmm. You know, hard work will come up in this conversation a a whole bunch of times. uh, Sure. um, Because as a mission president, you you rely on every experience you can you can grab and teach the missionaries. But Uh, so here's this opportunity. You've been painting. You've been making money. Was it a a pretty hard leap to make? Um, Well, I think it's probably a little easier when you're younger and. You know, you have uh, maybe one baby, uh, one child. Oh, so you were already married when the tire business started. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, was... I don't know. I don't know how much that's easier. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I made, I took some, some risks when I was younger and had one kid too, but tell us how you met your wife. Well, that is another great story. I'll try not to be too lengthy on that, but remember <laughs> that my parents are from Canada and my wife's parents are from Canada. And they grew up together as kids. No kidding. But our parents kept in touch all their years. And every Canadian function, the, the people are pretty, pretty tight. They they see each other pretty often mm. through different functions. And when I had returned from my mission, our, our parents, our mothers crossed paths. They talked about who they had, who they had at home and and my wife's mother said, oh, I have two daughters left. They have eight kids. They have two daughters at home. And so um, we dated. I met, I met her on June 8th of, 19, of 1979. Mm-hmm. We were engaged on July 10th and married on October 18th. Nearly, no kidding. Nearly 42 years ago. October oh. 
Ron, that is amazing. That is a great story. You know, and I have to say that story never, ever came up when I was a mission president because I didn't want any of the young people to ever think <laughs> that if they didn't meet their wife in two seconds, I mean, I've thought about that, Sean, over time. I mean, the biggest decision of your life was made in a split second. Yeah. Oh, that's just awesome. So here you are with a kid. That's a lot of responsibility. I remember as a young father feeling this need to provide and be the provider. And here you've got a business opportunity with your brother. Uh, how was that conversation with your wife? Hey, maybe we should take a big leap of faith. You know, she was always really super supportive. And maybe I can credit that to her being a, a little bit young and just, uh, you know, not so set in her way. And mm. there was a lot of things along the way that she could see that I was a uh, a real, I, I wasn't one to just sit by the wayside. I was pretty aggressive in what I wanted. I mean, I remember she didn't have a car. And before we were married, I bought her a car. And her 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 dad, who's pretty conservative, watching, watching on, um, she didn't even know how to drive a clutch. Mm. I went and taught her how to drive. And so I don't think she just knew all along that Hey, he's, he's going to make the right decision. Awesome. He's, he's pretty motivated. Um, but I, I want to just say, if we, if we jump ahead um, with my brother, um, there were so many things that people would say like, Hey, there's no chance you can be in business with your brother. There <laughs> is no way you're, someone's going to die in this relationship. You're going <laughs> to kill one another. Um, but I had other family members that were doing well in their business that were brothers. Um, and I thought, you know what, we can do this. And I think I have, because I'm the younger brother, um, maybe more of the, the wherewithal, if you will, my brother, older brothers think they know everything and, and their way is the right way. And that's probably the only way. Sure. And over our 30, 40 years together, honestly, on one hand, I could count almost the knockdown, drag out, misunderstanding um, topics that we had. Wow. It wasn't, we were, um, we were amazing. And, and I, I remember, you know, sometime in there that, um, in fact, my missionaries would always ask me, how did you do it? And I would, and, and of course, you're teaching different lessons um, to missionaries, companionships, and because the hardest thing about a mission, anybody will tell you, is a companion. Yes, yeah. the hardest part. It always will be. It was when I served. It was when Gene served. He knows that you know companionships, and isn't it true in marriage today? The companionships, and it's whatever something got in there to drive the wedge, mm. and and so back in the day. I remember being able to honestly have a conversation with myself and say, is what we're arguing or differing about, does it really matter? That's so smart. And if I could answer that myself and say, it doesn't matter. And then the most amazing thing would happen because we men especially have a lot of pride. And oh, yeah. I was able to feel so comforted by the spirit, when I could say, it doesn't matter. What a blessing. Oh, that is beautiful. And I, I also think you would probably not recommend to most people to go into business with their brother, um, you know, or with sibling. Family business is hard. Yeah. What yeah. was the first step in, in opening your business? Well, the first step was a scary one. Um, I, you know, my wife was again, so good. She probably didn't even know half the documents I sat in front of her and said, here, honey, sign this document. Oh, oh yeah. Sign this one too. Later. She learned that that was the house she was signing over. If this thing went South wow. and then she signed on a few years later, re getting the home back. I realized it was only like a million six loan at age 28 that I signed on the first one. Wow. And maybe today that might be 15 million. I don't know what the comparison would be to scare anybody to death. And, and so we actually had the attitude, 
my brother and I, who said we would never want to do this with anybody else. So was that to open up your first, uh, I don't know, for lack of a better term, retail location? Yep, it really was. We It was right in Bountiful. 2885 South Highway 89 is right where we were. Um, and at that time, that end of Bountiful was almost uninhabited. We we opened up right next to the Ford Lincoln guy that was on the corner, and he had a chunk of ground. And it was, you know, if I really knew how to write a book, I could probably write one pretty well <laughs> on, on this whole story because it is it's fascinating today to see what we what we went through. But I think the thing that we did is we never, ever looked back. Mm. We never did. What a valuable lesson. We ran hard and we thought, you know, there's big names in the tire business. And, and here we come, Burt Brothers. I mean, one location, woohoo, in, in Bountiful, Utah, to all the big names of national Big O and, and lots of other names of, of successful businesses. And here we come marching into town. And the thing that we did, we didn't badmouth anybody. We came to town and just really, I think we outworked our competition. We, we mm. worked six days, long, long, long hours ourselves. Um, my brother and I were the first two um, employees. We mounted tires and then we saw that we're we're making money we got to have okay now we bring in a secretary and it was it wasn't like we have a you know we open up a beautiful store and we start staffing with all these people we we kind of grew our way in and there was a time uh, that we didn't take a paycheck that happened a couple of different times in our span of of moving on so our first location was right there. And we just ran so hard. We tried to smile at everybody. We, we were so, you know, like when people would walk in the store, it was exciting to us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we were just, Oh, someone's coming in. They, they need some tires. I mean, usually in a tire store, they're not window shopping. Yeah. They're not <laughs> coming to try them on. Sure. You know? <laughs> and and so it was so fun. And, and then, when we we would have this thing going back and forth, if we couldn't close them, we would go to the other guy, and and my brother would say, "Hey, hey, Ron, I, I've talked to to Mr. Olson about this set of tires, and I've, I've went through um, the features and benefits of this particular tire. Is there anything else you could think that you could offer him?" And so we fed off each other. Oh, and that's great. How, that's how this little thing started thirty what? plus years ago. Was Burt Brothers the name from Go? Was it just Brothers, obvious yeah. that it was going to be Burt Brothers? Burt Brothers Tire and Service. And people would mess that up. Burt Brother, Burt Brother Tires. You know, it was it yeah. was kind of funny. But fast forward all these years, missionaries would come to me. And in their first interview, they'd come singing the jingle. <laughs> so it was a great jingle. Was, when did the jingle come about? Oh, I can't tell you. I credit my brother. Um is because he handled the advertising mm. um, in our business and he worked with, uh, I got to say that was probably now 20 years ago. Yeah. And now I'm going to have it stuck in my head because it is a very sticky jingle. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. It's so, fun. so going back to the leaner, you know, startup years, I remember I started a business one year, we didn't take a salary and our bishop was unaware of that. And I remember going to tithing settlement and him looking very concerned, worried about asking me if we were full tithe payers. And I assured him we were, and then asking what help the ward needed to give us to have Christmas for our kids. I learned a lot about the widow's might in that time. That uh, I, uh, gosh, I get emotional. I think, I think that I paid uh, $1,200 in tithing that year. And that 1200 meant a lot more than my prosperous years where I've been very blessed to write some big checks for tithing. Mm -hmm. What, what lessons did you learn about the gospel when you were going through those earlier years? Well, I, I learned to appreciate um, everything I had every minute that I had 
um, with my family, with especially as the kids were growing up. Um, those were those were really really tough times, and I remember my wife always being my favorite cheerleader, and whatever I was going through. Um, she was always finding something positive about it. And I remember, Sean, all the time I'm starting the business and I always had a heavy church calling. Mm. As, a, as a young opening the business, I was, you know, it wasn't even in Bountiful very long. And I was put in the bishopric as the executive secretary, which if you've ever had that calling, it's probably busier than than the counselors and especially it was with the Bishop I had, he was amazing. And I was his sidekick. He called me four or five times a day. You know, I had to know about, you know, people that he needed to meet with the youth he needed to be with and all the while. So I would work hard 14 hours a day. Then we might have a meeting at night. And I just, I just remember, I want to just go back to one thing. When we were um, first married, I remember committing to the Lord something. In my prayers, it wasn't that, that I could be a millionaire. I said, Heavenly Father, I just want to make enough money so my wife can be home with the children and we can serve in the church. And so every time something came along, a calling, whatever, I remembered that prayer. And to this day, I believe that much of the success, if not all of it, was because I kept that commitment. Mm. Beautiful. How did it go making the, the leap from we are the owners of a tire store <laughs> to opening up a second location? Was it natural or was it a big oh leap gosh. of faith? That was the biggest leap of faith because the second store was Farmington and it came on 18 months later. And Wow, that was quick. And it was because Goodyear had built a store. This is back in the day when when they would build and put somebody in a store. We did our own thing, but they had a, an operator in there for 18 months and it wasn't working. And so Goodyear came to us and said, hey, we will give you uh, a year's worth of free rent if you'll come and, and operate that store. Wow. So it was hard because... The leases, I mean, you're, you're in there, you're leasing the store, and then Goodyear wants to have their, you know, you're, even though they're selling you tires, they want 2% of your sales. So we were the kind of scrappy guys trying to figure out how to get out of the lease, keep the store, and not have to pay those other fees. Because there are other tire companies even today that belong to associations that they're paying another big fee when you can see that just makes your tires more expensive, all your stuff. Yeah. We wanted out of that kind of an arena, but you, you gradually line upon line, same as, as uh, everything else. So that's when that one came on because we didn't leave it. We, we were there with the mothership in Bountiful. Um, we were hiring people and the store was good. Um, and it went along. Okay. But I'm telling you right now, it's just, it's all about the people. Yeah. And when, when we had a good team of guys, things would go well. And um, so we struggled along. I got to tell you, there was many a time that I wanted to just sell that store and get completely out from under it. And it, and it didn't happen. I'll, and I'll fast forward a lot of years going through a lot of stuff from the, the overpass being built there, I thought the store would just be smothered with, you know, no one, you know, the cars driving by and whisking right past me. And, but, it, you know, when my son, my second boy got off his mission in 2000, 
four, I put him as the manager. Mm. I didn't put him as a manager. I put him up there working right when he got home. And I'll never forget him saying, dad, don't leave me here. And it was, it was hard as can be, but him and one other guy turned that thing around to be one of our most profitable stores today in our 13 chain of, of tire stores. That is awesome. What a great story. How many kids do you have? Four. So I have two older boys and then two girls and, and each one of them, including the girls worked at the store when they were 14, 16, working at the front counter, the girls did. And the boys um, worked in the tire shop. Uh, so often when they'd come home, you know, they would have such dirty clothes, dirty hands. My wife would make them take the clothes off all out in the garage and then come in and head right straight to the shower. And, and then they work up themselves to the front counter after their missions. Wow, so they really, awesome. they knew how to, what the broom handle felt like. And uh, for all those years. Great lessons. When, when kids were little, when you had, you had four little kids at home, mm-hmm. um, cause we have a lot of younger listeners. Uh, how did you balance that? You've got your church calling, which we know we want to give all we can to the church. And you had this business that, you know, I've, I've launched a few businesses. It's, it takes up, it's more, much more than a full-time job. And then you've got to be a husband and a father. Those are all distinct roles. How did you balance that? And what advice would you have for younger men going through this? Well, um, I would just, I would say the thing that I tried and remember there wasn't any textbook to try to get any of these instructions from when you're going through it. I I think you have, I I remember just always being grounded um, in the gospel, having faith in my savior. And I knew that prayers were answered Mm. and I, I got great solace in, and, and there were times, Sean, when I felt like, I was over the top, unbalanced in some area or another. Hmm. I'm, I'm sad to say, as I think about this, I was never, ever, ever one of my kids' coaches in anything. Um, but I had good friends that seemed to be able to do it. A next-door neighbor that was really, really a really good basketball player, my boys, as they got a little older, and, and he would take them at four in the morning and I mean, I was leaving for work at six and, and he had my boys getting up, teaching them and, uh, and, and really working the basketball skills. And, and I would try to break away whenever I could and go to a, my little girl's softball games or soccer games. Um, and back in the days of starting the business, um, and maybe it's a little today, but again, no day off except Sunday and soccer games came and went and, and their dad wasn't there a lot of times. And, but my wife never, ever, ever, as I said earlier, ever, ever made me feel bad to the kids or to me because I wasn't there. It was never, you're a terrible husband. It was never, she could see the fight. And, you know, I I have to say Sunday nights sometimes, were a bit of a stressor for me, knowing that I was going to have to go face it again. Mm -hmm. And it's like every day in your own business, you're unemployed. Yeah. And you have to go open the door and see who's going to come. And honestly, even today, as I've slipped from my day-to-day role in the stores, um, I'm not there but one thing that no one can take away from me is the passion built up of 40 years of creating this thing that is now kind of a jumbo jet. And uh, yeah. my boys are sitting nicely in a cockpit with it on autopilot and it, <laughs> it's up off the ground and, and it's moving. But I credit everything to my wife, Leslie, who... Um, sat alone a lot of times. Yeah. And I think all of us uh, in business have been where you are. And that's why I think you mentioned that other, other men had stepped in and there are seasons, 
you know, there are times where other men had to step in when I was traveling a ton when my kids were little. And now I find myself stepping in true and playing that role. And I think that brotherhood is just so, so critical and beautiful. Well, and I think the good part, I've been home from uh, serving as the mission president for four years, just over four years. And the great satisfaction I get today is helping, like you just mentioned, helping these young men and young women with whatever the challenge may be, not only just with their car needs, but with their physical body, spiritual, mental health, whatever that is, and trying to stay on the path, living the covenants that they know that they've made. And I feel a great responsibility to return them to heaven. Oh, beautiful. Not so let's jump to that. Uh, you Now, do you have grandkids? I do, 15 of them. 15 grandkids. Wow. 15. All the Are way from 14 to, to uh, the youngest is almost going to be a year old. Unbelievable. Let's go back seven years. Uh, were you retired uh, when you got called to be a mission president or did you have any warning or did this come out of the blue? You know, off off record sometime, you and Gene and I, we ought to have a conversation <laughs> about that really. <laughs> that, uh, no, I was definitely only uh, mid-50s and uh, going along, business was great. Um, my boys were pretty young. The The call as a mission president started with me, and that's a sacred story I, I probably won't share here, but sure. probably started... Um, back, the warning came from Elder Holland, probably a good five years before I made, I, I was given the mm. actual call to help prepare my oldest boy and was only in his later twenties. Wow. And, uh, I will say this when Elder Holland, um, called me the first time, um, he, uh, he said, tell me about your business. He started making those inquiries and, and uh, you know, he started asking if I was ready to go. And I said, gosh, no, not, not yet. I mean, I didn't want to say no to the Lord. He goes, Hey, hey, hey it's okay. Hey, we need mission presence every year. And I go, okay. <laughs> um, so he says, well, just start getting your, your sons ready. And um Two years went by and every general conference, I was either in the conference center or home watching. And every time he got on or got up to speak, I knew he was speaking to me every single time. And if and two years went by and just a funny story, I thought to myself, oh, good. He's forgotten. <laughs> so Not likely. Your listeners out there. Uh, our good brethren, um, they never forget every, anything and they know everything. So where did you get called to serve as a mission president? Uh, we were called to serve in the Canada Vancouver mission. Mm. And we served from 2014 to 2017. That province, as you know, from your visits there is huge. I mean, the lower mainland, I mean, the center of the province is Prince George, which is about a two hour flight. We were in an airplane um, mostly every week trying to get all over the province to or on a ferry boat or in our car in the lower mainland. It was huge. It's a huge area. Did you have missionaries? I'm going to ask you about people ask me where in the world are my favorite places. And I have five, six, maybe seven total. One of my wife's and my favorite places on the planet is Nanaimo, British Columbia. Yeah. I love Nanaimo so much. It is, we have talked about retiring and spending time in Nanaimo. Yeah. Did you have missionaries in Nanaimo or did you get to visit there? Absolutely. And Nanaimo wasn't really that far up the island. So you could, you could actually get mostly the ferries that we took from Richmond went and then they got up through the bottom part, Victoria, mm. and then up on up to Nanaimo. But one of the great things about Nanaimo is the drive getting there. Mm. I mean, you drive on the, you know, the road and it's just this most beautiful drive with, because it rains so much, you have moss growing on the trees and hanging down and you're driving like through the, the most beautiful part. And Nanaimo is absolutely a favorite of ours. We had a lot of missionaries there and we actually went 
even farther up on the island with missionaries. Oh, we loved it. We we spent a day sitting watching seaplanes land, drinking uh, you know hot chocolate, and mm-hmm. just sitting in the rain, like covered, but yep. watching the fishing boats come in and the seaplanes land. And I think it's a majestic place. And so, what what surprised you when you got out to uh, to be a mission president? What surprised you? <sighs> Well, I wasn't very surprised that I was going to be so scared. I mean, when we got there, the time of our of our calling um, was right at the height of of the youngers, eighteen year olds being called. So, in a mission that probably should have averaged one ninety to two hundred, we had just over three hundred missionaries in our mission. Wow! And it took us about thirty six days to go find them all after Mm. having meeting after meeting conferences and to get to the very last one, it took us 35 days to get to the last one who was way up North clear out West over on the Queen Charlotte islands. Wow. It was a plane, a ferry, and then drive to get to the last set. And, and I mean, but it was so great. I mean, there were missionaries like everywhere they shouldn't have been, if you know what I mean. They didn't know what to do with them. I mean, in a in a city that could be tracked out by two missionaries in two weeks, there were six missionaries in that city <laughs> because there was nowhere else to go. And that's what we found when we got there. Um, but what surprised me, maybe even though um, I was kind of told it would be long and hard. I didn't really know how long and hard it was going to be. Mm. Um, three years is a long time. Um, 24 seven, very little sleep. Um, just worried if you can imagine having 300 children worried for their welfare, their safety. Um, you know, just lots of praying and and you knew that it was the Lord's work because this is way too big for me. It yeah. was, you know, I, I said always to my missionaries that I'm always, I'm always like cold and nervous because if I mess this up, it's your eternity. Mm. And I want to be so in tune that I can't imagine a mistake here because so many facets you're, you know, I, I knew from serving my mission and how important my mission president still is to me to this day. And I thought, and now I'm going to be that to now 600 and some odd missionaries. That's, that's frightening. That will keep your nose to the grindstone better than anything. And it was much harder. Um, that whole experience of three years was way harder than starting a business or keeping it running. But everything I learned from my dad on into the business helped me be able to um, perform that calling. Unbelievable. So I have been home from my mission now for 28 years. Uh, I have seen my mission president, who is a Chilean, uh, twice. He's been in my home twice when I've had reunions. Just Mm -hmm. such a blessing. And when I see him, he is my president still. Talk about the bond you have with your missionaries. Well, um, I think the thing that we um, developed out in the mission, because missions are hard, you have all those different personalities. Some want to do it. Some don't want to do it. Some don't know why they're there. Um, I wanted them because I remember quoting to my missionaries things that my mission president quoted to me. 40, 30 some years prior to that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like I tried to teach them the why we're going to serve the Lord to the best of your ability, because nobody can make anybody do anything. And I wanted them to know that, yes, we're going to have fun along the way. Here's the parameters. Can you please just have fun? And, and follow the guidelines so Heavenly Father can use you to the maximum. Because this is not only just for this 
18 or 24 months that you're called to do this, this is really for the rest of your life. This commitment that you show, this tithing of your life right now is showing Heavenly Father and is, uh, is your life is condensed into this period of time. Every experience you experience here, you're going to have it again in some way or another. You're all going to be challenged. Right now, you think the challenge of your missionary companion is the biggest thing you can possibly see, the biggest mountain of your life. But I'm telling you, I don't know what your challenges are going to be in life, but I want you to know that I'm going to be right here for the rest of my life to help you move those mountains. Mm, Just beautiful. That is a truly special, special relationship. What a blessing it is. Um, Let's jump forward to now. You're in a different role. You're probably not slapping too many tires on cars anymore these days. You can sit back and, you know, how amazing it must be to drive. You almost can't drive anywhere in the main corridor of Utah without seeing a Burt Brothers tires. You've got this legacy of grandkids and everything. Uh, a few, uh, I guess a couple months ago now, maybe we had uh, Gene Chittister on who told us about this interfaith council uh, on which he serves and he serves on that with you. And I'm so fascinated by it. It's such a beautiful thing. Tell us a little bit about what you do with the interfaith council. Well, um, we have the wonderful blessing I, I don't want the word to ever get out that this was a calling because this is, this is a ministry of, of love. Mm. And um, boy, if any of our friends at these other faiths ever thought, I, I can't even respond that it's a calling because if, if, and when I have to move on and do something different, I will probably still find myself migrating to these people that we love so much. And I think the beautiful part about what Gene Chittister and I have the blessing to do and not many, I didn't even know it existed um, until we were received the, the uh, invitation um, that we go visit other faiths to help strengthen bonds between the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and their faith. We're there to um, break down the walls and the barriers of old time, of old time thinking, and repair any fences that need to be mended. And can I just tell you a side note for me and where we were called, because I've had my business in Davis County for so many years, there's not many people that don't know me or of me. Um, And so as we were called to to work with St. Olaf's Catholic Church and the Bountiful Community Church and the Abundant Life Church and the Episcopal Church of the Resurrection, all right here in Davis County. Uh, my wife and I would walk into these churches only to see people that I've done business with my whole life. And so the barrier was automatically down and they welcomed us with open arms and said, Ron, what are you doing here? And I said, well, John, I'm just here to see if you're still going to church. <laughs> and, and when I could call him by name and one of our churches, the pastor has been a longtime friend. We've coast, you know, worked together in different um, charities um, together. And so it was never weird for me. The only thing that was weird is because I hadn't beforehand spent a lot of time in Catholic mass. That wasn't a thing I did. I, I didn't know that you, you went to church and, and the bands are alive and well. I, I had no idea. But what I did know and I did see is that these are good people. Mm. And the spirit, we don't have a captive audience on the spirit. We're not the only ones that have the spirit. These are people that are trying their very, very best to find their savior their Jesus, as they would say. And, and the experiences are emotional with these people that are coming to Christ. And it's, it's blessed our lives. What a huge blessed life you've had, Ron. This is 
just been amazing. It's really inspiring. And I know it's, uh, I'm sure, inspiring a lot of young people who are thinking about starting businesses that you can have the business, have the family, have the service in the church and everything you've done. It's just, it's incredible. And I'm so glad we had this opportunity to talk. We're going to wind things down with the question that we ask all of our guests. Before you, before you ask that, can I yeah, just... Yeah, please do. That what you just said, and I hope that I will be able to give someone hope that they truly can have it all. All their dreams can be met. Don't get greedy. Be faithful. Be loyal to your Savior to your family, to your wife, and be a peacemaker mm. and, and try in every area, does what I'm about to do help me live the gospel better? Oh, beautiful. Well, with that, we will ask you the final question, which is, uh, Ron, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Well, being a member of the church, I've thought about that um, as you asked and invited me to, to think about that. It reminds me of what I tried to help my missionaries come to understand. And when they understood it, the possibilities were endless with what they could do. When you know who you are and whose you are, that means everything. And you can do hard things when you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the center of your life. Being a member of the church gives me so much happiness and joy. And I know the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is true. It is a wonderful organization um, led by our Savior Jesus Christ, and on this earth, led by a beloved prophet in President Nelson. And by following them, we will have the wherewithal to return back to our loving Heavenly Father, who loaned us here and so badly wants us to come back. So being a member means everything. We have the priesthood, we have revelation, we have everything given to us. And when Elder Holland came, as he promised, when he made the call to me, he said, I'll come and I'll visit you. And he did wait. I didn't, I didn't have to bother him about it. He remembered that he said that to me. And in November of 2016, he came and spoke to my missionaries. And I will never, ever forget his face and how he can get wound up like he does. And he moved away from the microphone and he leaned on the rostrum and he said, with a shaky voice, he said, don't give up the ground. You've already won. I think he knew, I know he knew that those missionaries might struggle sometime in their life. And I would say, don't give up. Mm. Keep going. Beautiful. He is a husband, a father, a grandfather, a mission president, and the founders of a Utah, uh, one of the founders of a Utah institution, which is Burt Brothers Tires. Ron Burt, thank you so much for sharing your Latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And my special thanks to my guest, Ron Burt. What an incredible man. The spirit was so strong while we were recording, and he just has a tremendous spirit about him. Thank you so much, Ron. Uh, this week in my Latter-day life, I got to do something I haven't done in a while. I got to see uh, some customers of mine that I have not seen in years. Now, this is an account that I started managing back in 1998, I think, or 1999, somewhere in there. And I have managed them on and off again uh, ever since then. But a few years back, uh, one of the guys on my sales team, he was managing their account. Well, well, he got let go of uh, from our company about a year ago, and I took over the account. But because of COVID, I hadn't been out there to see them. 
And these uh, people have become dear friends of mine. They have a couple of trade shows every year. And over the years, we've, we've really become good friends. Well, I decided it had been long enough since I had seen them. And so I booked uh, a dinner with them and said I would fly out there in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. I said, I will fly out and we will go get dinner and we'll hang out and talk business and it'll just be wonderful. So I flew out to Harrisburg and as soon as I got there, I was just excited. So many good memories of being in Harrisburg. In fact, uh, many of you listened to the Rocky Mountain Sunshine podcast with my dear friend Jason Bringhurst. I had to call him and say, man, I'm in Harrisburg, because he and I used to go there all the time, and such good memories. And I got into the restaurant, and there were my friends. And one of them I've literally known 20 years now, well, maybe a little bit more, and uh, another one maybe 15 years, and some of them were newer friends of mine. But what a blessing it was to be with them, and we hugged, and I nearly cried just seeing them. And these are just work friends, and a lot of times people will say, oh, it's just business, or they're just work associates, but I know these people. I know they're, many of them, I've met their children, but I, I know about their families. I know the struggles they've had, the trials they've been through. And as we sat down and had dinner, there were probably about 10 of us, and we sat there sharing stories about what our lives have been like. And again, it's been years since I've seen these people. But we reconnected, we bonded. There's there's just something so special about being together in person. And I'm so grateful for my job that has allowed me to meet so many people across the country and around the world. And as we wrapped up, we all just commented on how wonderful it was to be back together. The pandemic has been difficult for a lot of people, me included. And that's been one of the hardest things, has been not seeing friends But what a blessing it was to realize that these are not just work friends. These are true friends of mine, people for whom I care very much, also people who I know God loves very much, special, special people. And I I look forward to continuing, and we're all still navigating this pandemic, and it's very difficult, but continuing to reach out because that human connection, that bond that we have with other people is unlike anything else. And it just doesn't quite translate going through uh, Skype or Zoom or FaceTime or anything else. What a blessing it is to be with people. And I'm just so grateful for that. And that's what's happening in my Latter-day Life. Thank you so much for tuning in. The Latter-day Lives podcast was produced by Gene Chittister, social media by Skylar Fleming. I've been your host, Sean Rapier, and I think that's about all we got for you this week. So until we meet again... There is a great big beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) ¶¶